model. Next week, how to pray and worship. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people don't know how to pray, or they, they don't know what to pray. And so we want to take the time to, to teach you all how to pray, okay? And how to worship, and, and what those two things are. And then the week after that, April 29th, will be how to be a disciple. Knowing what a disciple is, what a disciple does, and what a disciple has. Amen? Amen. Today we're going to talk about how to read your Bible. Let's go to 2 Timothy. It's supposed to be 2 Timothy 3.16. 4. Chapter 4. If you get on your Bibles, if you haven't read it in a while, just dust it off. You know, when you, when you go home, you can take it off the shelf. Dust it off. You know, it's been sitting on your coffee table, might have some coffee stains on it because you you haven't opened it. Now, a lot of times we, we tend to we tend to neglect Bible reading, and that can only come to our detriment, right? That can only be harmful to us. As Second Timothy three sixteen says. Says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so the first thing you guys need to know is that the, the Bible is God breathed, it's inspired by God. So every word written written in the Bible is inspired by God. Yes, it's it's written by man. But it's inspired by God. What that means is that God gave the inspiration for it. God, God gave the enlightenment for what should be what should be written. All scripture is God breathed and is useful. And the second thing is that it is useful for our lives. And specifically, it's useful for teaching. Okay, so being taught something, gaining knowledge, gaining information. Gaining principles to be applied to your life, rebuking, which is which is a form of correction. Okay, saying, okay, you're going this way in life. You're going down the wrong path. Okay, turn around. That's that's rebuking, and then correcting more formally for maybe for maybe doctrine. Okay, for uh, teachings on, on on God and another theology, and then training, training in righteousness. The Holy Spirit is is the, the person of God that is in us who convicts us of our sin and he sanctifies us. You guys remember hearing that word sanctify means means being made holy. Okay, so we are being made holy. And just like a lot of things in life, we need to be disciplined. Okay, we, I, I talked to a 201 class earlier about, about time management and reading the Bible and prayer. Okay, just like in prayer, we need to, we need to be disciplined. Just like in any other sport, it comes with discipline, okay? So your commitment requires some sort of discipline, okay? And it goes hand in hand with reading your Bible. Amen? Mm -hmm. And in training in righteousness, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, training in righteousness and also coupled with the teaching, rebuking, and correcting, using God's word so that we can have the tools we need in order to, to live holy, to not live in sin, to get over to overcome our sin, and to do good works. Amen? Amen. 
Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So Paul is saying, okay, as, as God, in the presence of God, and as Christ Jesus as my witness, who will one day judge the living and the dead. And in view of, in, and in, and keeping in mind, in other words, keeping in mind that, that one day Jesus will come back. And, and soon at that, because Jesus said, you know, be watchful, be watchful and pray, because he will be coming back soon. Okay? So we need to keep in mind that that. That God sees everything we do. We need to keep in mind that Jesus will come back one day, and one day he's going to judge us. That we need to preach the word. But before we preach the word, we need to be able to know the word of God. Okay? And he says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. You know, Jesus, one, one time, he walked past a, a fig tree, and he noticed that, and he was hungry. And you notice that it wasn't bearing the figs. There wasn't any fruit on there for him to eat. So he cursed it. And the Bible says that that tree wasn't even in season. And yet he cursed the tree. That's something that, that God will do in our lives. If, if, even though we might feel like, okay, you know, it's, I, I may not be up to that point right now. I might not be up to that level where, where I can know God's word fully and, and to be able to preach it. There's, there's, really, there's really no excuse because you have God's Word. Everyone hold up your Bibles. It's on your phone or one hour in the technology age. You know, people have apps on their phone. You guys all have the Bible in your hand. Think about the nations. Think about the, the nations in which we have uh, Metro Praise churches. India, Pakistan, Nepal, Nigeria, the, the Philippines. Yes, they, they have they have technology like, like us, but is it readily available for everyone? No, in, in fact, it's it's not readily available for everyone. You go to the go to the, the villages in, in India where there's all there are all huts. They have no access to to barely even clean water. Let, let alone trying to have access to the technology to have it on your phones where you can have it with you all the time, where it won't be taken from you. Because if you're in a, a country that, that doesn't accept the Bible, that, that does, do not accept Christians, then it's going to be taken away from you. But yet, here in America, we have such a freedom which we can walk down the street with our Bible, and you know, besides maybe some non believer or atheist will you know, sneer at us or whatnot. But, they have no authority to take it away from us. But yet we tend to neglect the word of God. We tend to neglect it. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. How many of you one on ers and, and 2 on ers are, are um, pretty grateful that my wife and I have patience? Amen. We, have, we have patience and we carefully instruct you. Okay? Thank God for that. <laughs> Verse 3, for the, for the time will come when man will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, 
to suit their own desires, they would gather around them a great number of teachers to say me, what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. He says, for a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. See, there are people today that aren't, they don't have patience in, in putting up with sound doctrine. They don't like sound doctrine, doctrine because it, it doesn't, because their, their ears are itching for, for a particular type of sermon. Or maybe a secret sensitive type of sermon. Oh, you're, it, it's all about you. You know, be the best you you can be without telling them, you know, the other and encouragement is, is part of it, like it says. Re correct, rebuke, and encourage. Okay, but they tend to want to want preachers to, to leave out the correction and the rebuke, but just leave the, the encouragement. There are people people today that, that just want that encouragement. They just want their they want uh, preachers and, and and other believers to just scratch their ears because of their itching. Well, look at look at the dog, you know. Just scratch. Just scratch. It feels good. It says, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears wants to hear. And unless you, you yourselves are reading the Bible and are studying the Bible, you will not know what sound doctrine is. You will not know what the Bible says on, on certain issues. Okay? So we need to read the Bible. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to the myths. But he charges Timothy, he says, But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, discharge all the works, all the duties of your ministry. Amen? Amen. Now here's the, here's what the Bible, the Bible is, okay? So the word Bible, it just means book, okay? So there, there are other Bibles, so, so to speak, if you just want to say, want to mean book, okay, but in our culture and society, we, when we say the Bible, we mean the Holy Word of God, the, the, this, this, this uh, canon right here is what they call it, the canon of scripture, and the, what the Bible is, is, is from 2 Timothy 3.16, it's God breathed, okay, so, and the word is Greek for theonoustos, everyone say theonoustos, it means God breathed. Okay, now, what is the Bible used for? Okay, it's, it's used to equip the person of God for every good work, okay, by teaching. Okay, it's teaching the truth. Okay, there's a lot of truth found in the Bible, and especially you know, as, as Christians, we need to know the, what the truth is. We need to know the truth of God, knowing the, the, the certain uh, doctrines of theology, the divinity of, of Jesus. Okay, the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to know these certain things. So teaching, knowing about God. Two, rebuking. To point out errors from the truth. That's what rebuking is, right? Pointing out errors. So if you're not living truthfully, you can say, hey, you're not living truthfully. You need to live truthfully. That is a rebuke. Correcting. Realign your path to the truth. Okay? Rebuking, correcting, hand in hand. You know, aligning yourself to the truth. If you're off from the Word of God, doing something that the Word of God says not to do, we correct you. Training in righteousness to help you learn to stay on the path of truth. 
learning how to how to live righteously, knowing what first of all, you know, from the truth, the truth of sin, knowing what it is in order to stay away from it. You know, the farther you walk away from sin, the the more the less of a temptation is going to go back to it. You know, they say it takes 21 days to break a habit. If you have a bad habit, you know, it takes that that that, that, that same amount of time to break a habit. Maybe not. Maybe smoking might smoking might be a little hard, and you know, heroin and the the hard drugs might be a little might take longer than 21 days. But I'm talking about the, the habit that leads you even more to sin, because that, that's something that's something more medical and biological. But things in the mind, you know, the Bible says that that in, in Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because most of the battle of sin is going to be in our minds. Images are going to come. They're going to be uh, bad images. You know, if you, if you watch pornography in the past, those images can still come up. Uh, the way the way we think about certain things, it, it said that you think 50,000 thoughts a day, and for a, for a lot of people, a lot of those a majority of those thoughts are negative. So you're going to act negative, right? The majority of those thoughts are negative. Five, encouraging, gives strength to stay in truth. Encouragement, it, encouragement is to give courage. Okay, so you're gonna, everyone needs encouragement, right? How, how many of you want encouragement? Right? Because it, it gives you the strength to say, okay, someone is with me. I'm leaning on them. It's like that song, leaning on me. When you're not strong, now I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on, right? But that's what brothers and sisters in Christ do. We encourage one another. That's what the Word of God does. It encourages them. We see Paul encouraging believers all the time. Saying, oh, I, I thank God every time I... I, 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 th I think about you in my prayers. Every time I remember you in my prayers, I thank God because I've heard of your great faith. And what he's doing is that he's encouraging them, saying, I've heard of your great faith, so now stay in great faith. You know, so we can receive uh, praise because of your great faith. Not the praise that's due to God, but praise like a type of encouragement, saying, hey, good job. Now, what is the structure of the Bible? There are a total of uh, 66 books in the Bible. 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, the second OT is supposed to be actually NT for New Testament. The New Testament being a new covenant, there's a different covenant <clears throat> or a pact that God had with, uh, with people and during that time. And after Jesus, Jesus established the, the new covenant, the new pact between the Father and us, which is, which is, uh, which is through Jesus' blood, that, that purification from sin. That is uh, what the New Testament is all about. Uh, about telling of that, that the new covenant, what Jesus did. What is the purpose of the Bible? To bring faith in God's person and purposes. Okay, So faith in who God is. Knowing who God is. That's the purpose of the Bible, to know God. Like Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Amen. Amen. And here's some uh, some interesting facts that kind of give um, you know, some of them kind of bring to light of the interesting things about the Bible that, that make the Bible uh, what it is today. Okay, the Bible was written over a 1500 year period, from 1500 BC to 90 AD. 
with over 40 authors from different lifestyles. Uh, for example, David, you know, who was a shepherd boy. Uh, Solomon, who was a king. Daniel was a governor. Joshua was a general in the, uh, the army. Uh, Peter was a fisherman. Luke was a physician or doctor. It was also written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Hebrew and Aramaic in the, the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. And on three different continents, Asia, Africa, Europe, and some surrounding areas. Four, I mean five, containing almost every kind of literary style, poetry, history, biography. The Bible, six, the Bible is the most read book and most translated work of literature for all times and people. Now, look, the Bible, the Bible is, is one of the, besides it being the one of the most translated books, and the, it's, it's one of the most miraculous books. Not, not just in the, the power that, that it gives a believer because it is God-breathed, but also how it came about. Okay, if you study the origins of the Bible, and <clears throat> not just from, from the Theonoustos, the God-breathed of it, the God inspiring people to write it, but after it was written, how it all came together, how it survived century after century. Now it actually survived Three, three millennia, three thousand years. Throughout that time of it being untouched, and together we have today about you know, twenty-five, thirty thousand manuscripts of the Bible. Okay, so it's the most well-documented book in all of history, and the book that is closest to it is is Homer. You know that book, Homer, or the was it Ulysses? Ulysses? Odyssey. Odyssey. Odyssey by Homer. It has 5,000 copies. 5,000 manuscripts of it. Like original manuscripts. Only about 500 of it. Whereas the Bible is, was it, 200 times as, as documented or more documented than that? And what, what I mean when, when I'm telling you this is that a lot of people tend to say, well, you know, we don't, we don't know who wrote the Bible. We, the Bible has all these, all these errors in it, you know, that we don't even know what the Bible really says. Well, we can tell you that, that it means more of what it says than the book Odyssey by Homer because we have more manuscripts to back it up. And what that, call, what that, what that is called is textual criticism, where they, they overlap different manuscripts to find out the original word. And having more manuscripts, you have more of an opportunity to find out the original meaning. <laughs> Here's a Chicago scene of an agency back in 1979. A um, whole bunch of scholars got together and wrote down, I'm not going to go through these, but wrote down a statement of an agency talking about the Bible and how it is, uh, how it, how it is in, in, in errors and why. So I'll just read number one. God, who is himself truth and speaks truth only, has inspired Holy Scripture in order thereby to reveal himself to, to lost mankind through Jesus Christ as creator and Lord, redeemer and judge. Holy Scripture is God's witness to himself. So this is a, 
Uh, so people got together to form this, this type of, of doctrine to, to reinforce what we actually what we as Christians believe about the Bible and inerrancy. Now here are ten ways to word the word. Okay, so you know today's all about how to read your Bible. So I'm going to give you ten ways how you can uh, work the word. Okay, but first you need to make time. Okay, time time is everything. And like I said before, we need to be disciplined in our time. Okay, we need to be good time managers. Okay? We need to be able to set a time to read. And, and stick to that, okay? You guys set a time, you know, when, when you already know that a game is going to be on, you set aside that time, okay? 7 p.m., you know, Tuesday night, the uh, Chicago Bulls are going to play the Mavericks or whatnot. Or, yeah. And you set aside that time. But then, also, during that time, you're, you're leaving, you know, two hours or three hours that you're spending watching that game but not reading the Word of God. So we need to make time for it at all. So you need to set aside... Set aside your, your other quote-unquote priorities, do so, to read the Word of God. Because or else then you're not going to do it. You're not going to learn how to do it. Get a version you understand. Know how, to work, know how to work the Bible. Read whole books at a time. Set a goal to read every day. Join life groups and the 101. Use study tools. Meditate on God's Word. Obey God's Word. And pray the Word of God. Amen? So the first is to, to make time, okay? As in, you know, all of, you, all of us have been to school. You know, we need time to study. And 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And the KJV says, Study to shoot thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the King James says, study to show yourself approved. Okay, so if you need to make time in order to study. If you don't make time to study, you're not going to study. And, and reading, reading just a couple chapters a day is only going to take 15 to 30 minutes. It's not much time at all. You spend more time watching TV or watching, sitting down to watch one movie than reading, reading the Bible. Get a version that you understand. You can practice online. Use the NIV edition online. Ellie, can you uh, put that? And the great resource, if you, have, if you don't know it already, is BibleGateway.com. The innumerable versions of the Bible, different languages. How many have heard of BibleGateway.com? How many of you have it? You have it? Okay. It's going to be very useful. Okay, let's type in Ephesians 1. Ephesians goes to verse 3. It says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So you can get the whole version now. Uh, can you go to a Spanish version? How many of you are Spanish? <laughs> Bam, there you go. Verse 3. Bendito sea Dios y Padre de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, que no da bendito, que no da bendito. 
Okay, so we read Spanish. You, you can read it. It's a, it's, a, it's a good way to do it. It's a good way to, to read it if you want access to it. If you have, if you have internet on your phone and you, you don't have the app, you can do it. There's different versions in other languages. If you want to learn another language, French on there real quick. French? Yes, I think French is on there. Yeah, right there. I don't read French. <laughs> My wife does, though. Thanks, man. All right, thank you. No problem. Okay, know how to work the Bible. Okay, now this is, you know, for some of you who have been coming to church a little, um, you know, for a good amount of time, you already know how to find some of the books. But for those of you who don't, Okay, here we have a table of contents in our Bible. So if you have if you have a a regular Bible and it's not on your phone, even on your phone there's a table of contents that you can you can pick through the books. Okay, so go to the table of contents in the Old Testament is the times before Jesus. So just understand that the Old Testament is before Jesus came to earth, came to earth. God working through history uh, after the creation, creating Adam and Eve, going down through uh, through through. Moses and Abraham and the, the Israelites um, going through the, the kings and the, the, the judges and the, the prophets all leading up to Jesus Christ coming. And by the way, one of the, one of the ways that the Bible is proven to be true and accurate, not just in, in history, you know, historians, you know, study and, and they attest to um, much of the history of the Bible. But another way is prophecy. Okay. Last week we talked about Isaiah 53, Jesus uh, telling them the, the story of Jesus uh, going through the, the sacrifice, like, like uh, by his wounds we are healed. It says he was, he was stricken by, by God, smitten. Now, that is a prophecy written <coughs> around a thousand years before Jesus came. And then Jesus went through exactly what I was talking about. And there's many other prophecies from Jesus' birth, being, uh, being born to a virgin, Jesus' life, being born through his life, his 12 years old being in the, in the, the temple, uh, when, and then him starting his ministry and having disciples, uh, his, his death, his burial, and his resurrection were all well, prophesied about in the Old Testament. New Testament is a time after Jesus, uh, going through the, the Gospels of Jesus as, as testaments, as testimonies of Jesus' life. Uh, and then after he, he ascended into heaven, and the structure of the Bible is uh, the chapters are the big numbers. Okay, everyone say big numbers. Big numbers. No. And the verses are the little numbers. Everyone say little numbers. No. <laughs> Ephesians 1 3. <coughs> Uh, you find that, you go to the table of contents, Ephesians, you find the book, you get the page number, whatever Bible you're in. Big number is what? Chapter. Chapter. The little number? Verse. Is the verse. Good job, guys. <laughs> and four, read the, read the whole books at a time. Now, this is something that, you know, me being in Bible college, this is something that you learn in hermeneutics, okay? When you're trying to figure out what something means, 
Like, for example, Ephesians 1.3, what that means in context. What I mean by context, what, is it, what does it mean um, in, the, in the view and the perspective of the whole book? Okay? So you read the whole book, and you can figure out the, the, the themes, the certain themes, uh, even uh, some of the typology in the, in the whole book, uh, what, what the author talks about, if he's talking about salvation, like Ephesians 2, uh, that salvation is by grace through faith. Um, uh, Ephesians 5 talks about you know, sexual immorality, as well as other things. And, but the, the book as a whole, the reason why we're saying read the whole, read whole books at a time so you can get the whole overall perspective of what the author is trying to convey. Because an author, like a historian, selects things of what to say. But in this case, selecting things to say by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Five, set a goal every day to, to read every day. Read three to five chapters a day. It's going to take you 30 minutes to read. Okay, set aside time, at least 30 minutes, and you can, you can read three to five chapters a day. That's a healthy amount to read. Amen? Yeah. Click on this link. And if you have trouble, if you have trouble reading, because some people don't like to read. I never, I never used to like to read. It used to be so boring for me, especially, especially reading some of the Old Testament where it goes over the genealogy. It's, it's even in, in uh, some of the Gospels where you have the genealogy, and this guy was born of this guy. And that guy was born of the other guy. And this, this, and that. It kind of... It's kind of boring. <laughs> so here's a good way. It's the same place, BibleHaven.com. They actually have an audio Bible. You can listen to it. This is actually what I've been doing for the past month, going to the book of Hebrews over and over again. I've been reading the book and then listening to chapter by chapter over and over again. So go ahead and play Genesis 1. Join life groups and the 101. Okay, we, we, we tell you guys this every week during the announcements to join life groups. Why? And to get into discipleship. Why? 
because you have a study buddy, okay? If you can try to do it on your own, and I remember one time I, uh, I, I preached a message that, that was on resisting, okay, resisting the devil, you know, and James talks about resisting the devil and he'll flee. And I remember God was speaking to me, he's like, you know, people cannot be spiritually independent. Because when you're spiritually independent, you're like that sheep that went astray. Because the, that, that just wanders off. You know, she might not know any better. She just goes off. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, do what I do and go off. And then they're more vulnerable to being attacked by wolves. So having a study buddy is gonna help you to understand the Bible more. The person that you study with might know a little bit more. Might know how to find things. Maybe a little faster. How many of you have ever been in? in in the service before, the pastor's like, hey, go to, go to Ephesians 1-3, and you're, you're just sitting there like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's there, you know? So you have that study buddy, the person sitting next to you that knows where things are, that may know, you know, a, maybe a little bit more than you so that they can help you out. And you can get your, your answers, or your questions answered, okay, with someone there by your side. Seven, use study tools. This is really good. Uh, being a Bible college, I, I, I have to use this stuff uh, for my classes when I'm writing papers and such. A commentary is a scholar's explanation of a passage. Uh, it's, it's scholars that, that read the Bible and then review all the history for you. They review all the, the history of the verse, of you know, who wrote who wrote the book, and just comments on it spiritually, things that they maybe have learned from it, and they, they just write it out, what they have learned. They comment on it, that's why it's called commentary. It's an explanation of the passage. Bible dictionary, encyclopedia, an overview, an explanation of most topics and, and people. Uh, so you, you can get that broad, again, if you, you want to know the background of the book, uh, for example, like the, the the book of Ephesus, or the uh, yeah, book of Ephesians, it was, uh, was written to the, the church in Ephesus. It was written by Paul in AD 56, so on and so forth. So you, you, you get the timeline of it, you get when it was written, and you get uh, a background, an overview, explanation of the topics in it as well. Uh, the Concordance, the Dictionary of the Original Languages, if you go to blueletterbible.org, write this down as well. This is... This is where you can find out what God breathed means. to verse 16, it says 2 Timothy 3, 16. You click on the C. Go to concordance and all these words are in the Greek, you see? And if you click on the that thing, the Strong's number, the, the Strong's concordance. And then you can hear how to say the word. Okay, so this is God. Strong's G 2315. The Anustas. The Anustas. Theanustas. Theanustas. <laughs> <laughs> and to learn Greek. How many of you ever wanted to learn Greek? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And then down here, um, well, up there gives like outline of biblical usage inspired by God, which the, the main translation of how it's used and it's the contents of the, the scriptures. Um, let's see. Go up a little bit more. Okay, then New Stars inspired by God. Um, it gives you. In Greek, they have what they call um, parsing. Okay, so theonoustos is the is a derivative of that, whatever that is. That's pano. Oh, oh, pano. Theos. Hey, go ahead, click on that. Theos. Beginning of it, and, and basically, basically. You know how d different different genders of words and and um, different ways that it's used to refer to either a person or a thing or something else. And if you if you're interested in languages, if you if you know you know languages and stuff and, and grammar, you know what I'm talking about. But this is very useful if you want to also learn Greek as well. But to know what the words mean uh, is is very important. Amen. Okay, let's come as the explanation of how each word is used. So you saw, you know, how that word was used, theonustas, how it was used. It's used as um, God breathed, okay? And that's that's what it means. Lexicon, you, you just saw it. Eight, meditate on God's word, Psalm 119, 14 to 16. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. You know, the, the word of God is, is such a valuable thing. It's, it's more valuable than riches or gold. It's more valuable than even the lottery that, that went on. $600 million. It's more valuable than that. We should be thinking about the word of God as if we would be thinking about winning the lottery. Mm -hmm. That we can just gain, gain all the, the, the nuggets of, of wisdom and wealth of the Word of God in our lives and applying all the principles and obeying all the commands of the Word of God. That would be like winning the lottery. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. If we really... If we can really think about the, the Bible as that valuable, we would be meditating on it. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Let's say that together. I will not neglect your word. Once again. I will not neglect your word. Obey God's word. Psalm 119, 17, 20. Do good to your servants, and I will live. I will obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your, for your laws at all times. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You know, if we really think about it, the commands that God gives us and says not to do, uh, those commands are usually beneficial to us. You know, when God says, Thou shalt not kill, how, if you can think about it, how does that really benefit us? Well, it benefits the person 
now lost the kill. Okay? It benefits us because now we won't get killed, but that person needs to be obeying God's law first. So we need to do the same thing. Said, I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. How many of you want to know what God's commands are? Come on. Paul says, I would not have known what sin is but by the law. So we see that the law of God, which is following the Bible, which is why we should read the Bible, and why we need to learn how to read the Bible, is so we know what God likes and what He dislikes, right? Because we want to know how to please Him. We want to know how to, to obey Him in order to please Him. 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. We should be thinking about God's Word. You know, not just the value of it, but that God's Word is, is God speaking to us. That it's, it's hey, it's, giving, it's, it's God saying, hey, you, you should be going this way because this way is, is beneficial to you. This is the road, the path that leads to life. Like that? Pray the word of God. Here's a link. You don't have to go there. But 365 promises are found in the Bible. Um, and look at that number, 365. That means there, there's a promise for each day. And so each day, if we just get one promise out of here and just say, Hey, God, I'm taking that promise for myself because I know it is for me. And I'm going to... Declare that promise. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have that today or whenever it becomes available to me at that time. It's a promise that God makes, and what, what does God say? That His word does not come back void to Him. Every promise is for us and it's available to us. Now here are just you know some of the the categories of of promises we have. Promises of of healing, you know, for sickness. And there's a scripture that you want to write, write them down. Two, a broken heart, the emotional hurt, emotional sickness. Three, financial trouble. We, we, are, we are all in financial trouble at some time in our life. Whether, you know, we, we need money for food, for, um, for rent, for anything else. Four, marriage problems. Five, worry and fear. Six, depression and anxiety, other forms of emotional sickness. Seven, addictions and bad habits. Eight, sin and temptation. Nine, lack of purpose and motivation. You know, it's kind of, you know, interesting. You know, when God gives a promise to us saying that he promised us to, to deliver us from sin and temptation. You know, the Lord's Prayer. Leave me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You know, that, that's a promise right there. That's a promise. And to go over the ten ways to work the word. Make time. Get a version you understand. Make sure that you're able to, to understand. In my first, this is my first Bible. The first Bible that I actually sat down and actually tried to read was uh, a version called The Message. My aunt got me the book and I knew it was, I, I kind of knew it was a Bible. She didn't explain to me and say it was a Bible. But when I started reading it, I'm like, oh, this, it sounded like a book to me, like just a narration. Like someone, you know, wrote a book. It's essentially what they did, but they, they translated it in, in language that I was able to understand. Three, know how to work the Bible. 
You have the, the chapters and the verses, you know how to find the books. Four, read whole books at a time. Read it at a time so you, you can you understand what the overall perspective of the author is. Five, set a goal to read every day. Make time to set a, to, to read. Join life groups and one-on-one to have a study buddy to help you out to, to answer your questions. Seven, use study tools. Eight, meditate on God's word. You know, you can, it's, it's not just reading and reading it just to, just to check that off. Say, okay, I, I read three, five chapters today and I'm done. Let's meditate on God's word. That's the whole purpose of God's word is that you get it onto your heart, that you, you, you write it on the tablet of your heart. You, you, you take the principles of God's word and you say, and you, you, you put it on your neck and you say, okay, this is what I'm going to live by today. Make sure you, you, you get that in you. Nine, obey God's word. Make sure you're not just, just listening to it, not just listening to it preached or, or even listening to it uh, online, but you're obeying it. That the things that, that, that you get out of it that you're actually going to follow means you'll be able to live by what we preach. Ten, pray the word of God. You can use the word of God as in your prayer time. You know, the, the promises from the word of God, the things in the word of God that help you grow spiritually, you can pray it. Use it as a form of prayer. Amen? Mm -hmm. Ellie, can you play the video? I want to end with, uh, with a good video. It's kind of humorous. of the Bible and uh, how I teach it to my Sunday school class. Granted, I've been asked to step down a few times, but I mean, heresy is such a loose term these days. But I think if you put all the jigsaw pieces of the puzzle of the Bible together, I think I have a pretty good idea to teach anybody a little thing or two. Okay, so uh, share some of your knowledge with us. Oh, okay, no problem on that one. Um, but the Bible really doesn't get cooked good until Moses built the ark. And the, wait, no, um, no, he was the one that part of the Red Sea. He was also the one that wrestled with God in the river of Gabok. And if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't have been able to part that river too. But that was a foreshadowing, that was a prophecy from the New Testament when Luke would be in that river going, hey, I thought I could walk on water. And that was a foreshadowing. King Nebuchadnezzar telling King David, go get those people out of that water because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not belong there. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in putting the words into action. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one thing to talk the talk. It's another one to walk the walk. All right? Case in point. I taught my kids the other day about David and Goliath, right? Now my youngest son, he's got mad skills with a slingshot. You know, I can tell you several stories of us, you know, putting the word into action. I like to do one of the most recent ones. And I told my boys about, you know, Joseph and his brothers. And my oldest son, my oldest son, Trying to sell his brother to the next door neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> My little entrepreneur. Probably proud. Probably a nice coat. I'm a big fan of the Bible. I mean, who wouldn't be? It's in most hotel chains. I have one. Probably two. I know I have a non-reading one in our living room. Beautiful. It's right underneath our plaque that says, 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm such a fan, I became a fan of the Bible on Facebook. <laughs> so, um, how often do you read the Bible? I'm a big fan. <laughs> I don't see what the big deal is about, you know, memorizing scripture or carrying a big old funky Bible everywhere. I mean, I have multiple translations of the Bible right here on my phone and on my digital reader, you know? And when I get to church, stuff on the screens. I don't really need to carry. I mean, carrying a big Bible anymore is just passe. Don't you think that having your own Bible helps you plant God's Word inside your heart? Really? So, like, you know, Thy Word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You're talking like Psalm 119, 113. I'm sorry. I guess you do know find the scripture. Nope. Just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> this is my grandmother. She used to read to me out of this Bible when I was just a kid. She passed away this summer. A family member gave it to me because they knew I was a believer. To them, it was just a book. But to me, when I sit down and I read it, I see all of her little notes. I see all the little highlighted pages, the dog-eared pages. I see the things that really meant something to her when God was speaking to her through his word. And I realize it's your legacy of faith that's passed on to me. That was passed from her parents to her. And you know what? It impacts my faith. More than anything, this truly is the living word. <laughs>